You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast. To me, being perfect is not about that scoreboard out there. This is a chance of lifetime. When you can understand the person, you can then work towards a common goal. We are all on the same team. Now you roll and do it to the best of your ability. Focus on the fundamentals. We've gone over time and time again. Your defense has got to be better. Leave no doubt tonight. Great moments are born from great opportunity. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we explore leadership through the lens of high-performance sport by interviewing great coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us be better leaders. Our great coach on this episode is Vern Gumbatter. Vern is that rare individual who has coached at the elite level across multiple sports. His foundation is in track and field coaching. However, over a career that spans over 50 years, he has worked in Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the NBA, cricket, the NHL, softball, swimming, and with the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs. He is also the author of nine books and over 100 articles. By any sense of the definition, he is a coaching polymath. In this terrific interview, some of the key highlights were... Vern's view on the importance of pointing out an athlete's negative self-talk and working with them on reframing it. How he defines mental training as mind plus muscle equals life. The importance of rhythm when it comes to analysing elite performance and how he describes his philosophy as trying to help the best be better and how he tries to achieve this as a coach by helping prepare the athlete for the path ahead, not preparing the path for them. We were very lucky to get this interview with Vern, and I hope you enjoyed as much as we did. And just before we go to the interview, today's podcast is brought to you by the Macquarie University Business School's MBA program. 
Designed to empower, challenge, and transform, the Macquarie MBA gives you the business skills and knowledge you need to succeed in an evolving global economy. The program bridges the gap between theory and real-world application, bringing together world-leading professors, executives, and industry partners to teach you how business can be used for good. I have just started working with the team at Macquarie on some projects and can attest to the quality of the people and material. To find out more, search for Macquarie University Business School's MBA. And now please enjoy our interview with Vern Gumbetter. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Vern Gumbetter, hello and welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. Well, Paul, thank you. It's it's an honour to be uh, considered a great coach. I just think I'm another guy that um, has been very fortunate for 50, going on 54 years to um, to coach. Um, my my dad, my mom and dad were immigrants. My dad was basically did uh, physical work all his life, uh, and I, I think even to the day he died, he couldn't understand how I could make a living in t-shirt and shorts, um, you know, and uh, not digging ditches or something like that. But uh, so I kind of joke that uh, I've, I've been, I've been able to travel all around the world on somebody else's dime, be around some of the greatest, greatest people you could ever imagine. And, uh, and we call it coaching. So it's pretty neat. It's pretty neat. We're going to get all into that backstory today and those 50 plus years of, of coaching some, very diverse sports and sports people. But Vern, something really simple to kick us off. Could you tell us where you are in the world and what you've been up to so far today? Oh, today, yeah. Well, I'm in Sarasota, Florida. Um, Got to work with probably one of the um, three best swimmers in the world this morning, Uh, a 16-year-old Canadian, Summer McIntosh, who – Swims for our local club here, the Sarasota Sharks. And uh, of late, my emphasis has been a lot uh, on dry land preparation for swimming. So her and I and the head coach on Tuesday and Thursday mornings go about 45 minutes of dedicated, um, we'll call it core work, but it's very uh, postural postural shapes, all of that kind of stuff, uh, two mornings a week. Yeah. So it's, and I'm, I feel really blessed at this time in my career, which is basically the twilight, the end of my career to be able to, to, uh, work with somebody like her. Cause she really is special, really is special. And I haven't said that about too many that I've, I've worked with some great ones, but this, this young lady is, she's got it. We'll keep our eye out uh, for summer as she heads towards the Paris Olympics. But could I start, Vern, by just referencing, here's just a few of the great coaches you've worked with, and there are so many, but there's Gary Winkler, Jack Latherwick, Nort Thornton, and of course, Frank Dick, who we've also interviewed on the show. But you've seen so many great coaches up close. So I'd like to ask you, Vern, what is it you think the great coaches, the really special ones, do differently that sets them apart? Well, I mean, I've, over the years and of late working on my new book, I've given this a lot more thought. And, uh, you know, and and I guess you get to be 75 and you're a little bit more um, retrospective, respective and, and, and that. And I, I think the biggest thing, like you name those people, is um, – First of all, they had 
incredible technical incredible technical knowledge okay and but that's a given there's a lot of people that have technical knowledge that can't can't coach their way out of a wet paper bag you know and all of those people you mentioned are just they're great people they're really really good people they can connect with the athlete they can can connect with their colleagues they're very strong and firm in their foundational beliefs so they're not going to be waffling and one week believe in one thing and next week believe in another. I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's really a characteristic of, you know, of, of the great ones that I've seen. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing in it, but it, it almost seems trite to say, you know, their, their orientation, they coach. And, and this is something that Frank Dick articulated before I ever met him in writing. You know, we don't coach shot putters or discus throwers or whatever. We coach people who, who, who do that. And it's as a young coach for me, sometimes because I was into being technical and that it was easy. It was easy to forget. There's a great coach that nobody's ever heard of Marshall Clark who coached, um, if, if there anybody in athletics would know these names, Don Cardong, who was fourth in the 76 marathon, uh, uh, and Olympic games marathon and, uh, a, a bunch of really good middle distance and distance runners at Stanford. And when I was in grad school there, uh, I was, uh, basically an assistant coach and, and being around Marshall was, was just, it, it was, he was so passionate. Okay. And that's what they all share. And he cared so much, sometimes cared to a fault, you know, and, uh, and, and this is what I, you know, I continue to see. There's a, I've gotten to know Ron Adams, who's a little bit one year younger than me. And we share a lot of parallels, uh, from Fresno, California, where I went to school and college and it's from there. And he's also a Swiss Italian. Uh, and, uh, He's with the Golden State Warriors and it comes through. He's, he's, he is the wisp, the coach whisperer of the NBA, but it comes through that it's about people. He can, he can talk for two hours on defensive schemes and footwork, but it doesn't matter. I mean, we had a conversation about one player that he worked with and, and it was, it was just purely about that player as a person. And if he, if he could, get to that player as a person, he would be a better basketball player. So at the risk of being repetitive, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And your first years of coaching were back at La Cumbra Junior High School in California all those years ago. And I understand it was near where you grew up. What do you remember about that early experience? Oh, it was... The, the farther away I get from it, the, the warmer the memories. All of those kids that I coach now are in their late 60s because I was very young when I started coaching. And as time has gone on because of Facebook, various different connections, I've been in touch with more and more of them. And it is just so gratifying. And again, it comes down to this. We won championships. We won two national championships, believe it or not, for ninth graders. Uh, tremendous uh, uh, performances in track and in cross country. I actually also coached basketball one year in American football, but primarily track and cross country. And you know what? We get to, we talk on Zoom. I've gotten together with some of them. There's nothing about championships. It's some of them. 
it, it's it's about the friendships, about the crazy stuff that Coach Cambetta did, you know. And uh, that three of them were talking about. We'd go on they're over the freeway, and they would go on the Oak. All our runs were named after where they would go, and it was the Oak Park run. And they talked about on the Oak Park run because it was a really easy day. They all had this really tough Spanish teacher, and uh, and they would work on verb conjugations. You know, like, think about that. You know, six, that's 60, no, no, not 60. It's 55 years ago, you know? And, um, uh, so that, that, that just reinforces what I said about coaching. You know, I, I remember some of the workouts. We did really innovative things, you know, at the time. Um, the kids were, were incredibly focused and dedicated, you know, but they, there was a, this cohesion, this camaraderie. And, and what we had was everybody talks about diversity today. The first two years, we didn't have any girls. Uh, I eventually recruited um, and started a, a, a girls track team there too and had one of our throwers end up fourth at nationals that year. Uh, and I remember the first meeting with the girls. I said, one of you will will um, place at nationals this year. And they didn't even know what nationals was, right? But on the coattails, sort of on, on the coattails of the boys, but diversity. I mean, we had kids from the richest neighborhood in Santa Barbara, and we had kids that were just across the border from Mexico, you know, were like their parents were um, illegal. They were illegal, you know, and it was and my I I grew up in that neighborhood. OK, I grew up three blocks from La Cumbra Junior High School. And so. And I wasn't married yet. So I lived in the neighborhood. And then on Saturday afternoons, we carding school was across the, the, the playground across from my house. I'd go out and play soccer with the kids, you know, and I don't know if you could, but I, you know, I was 21 years old and, and I knew, I knew all their older brothers. Their older brothers were my age, you know, and they'd known me since they were little kids. So it was really special. I don't know if you can tell by the tone of my voice, but. That I, I, that four years was just an incredibly wonderful experience and a wonderful four years. Yes. Yeah. Fond memories. Vern, I've read where you describe your coaching philosophy as coaching the best to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you've coached across so many sports baseball, soccer, football, athletics, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you. Are there any similarities in what the best have to do to get better across those different disciplines? No, there's no question. And I think that's one of the things why I've been able to coach across disciplines. Again, people and, you know, to be the best is, 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 is really special. And when I say coaching the best to be better, it's it's uh, go to Lacumba Junior High. I mean, we knew who the two or three best boys were based upon what they did in gym class. But they were already really good. And probably if I would have done nothing, they would have been pretty good. But to take them to the next level, to have that boy run 433 in the mile in ninth grade and do that was, you know, you have to raise a level of expectations. There was a focus uh, a, a concentration that was necessary, you know, to be able to do that. Sometimes with college age athletes and even athletes out of school that were really good and underachieving, it was giving them a focus. 
uh, working with, I'm not trying to drop names, working with a 31 year old, pretty good female cricket player, the best, best female cricket player of, of the last 10 years, Elise Perry from Australia. And for Elise, the whole goal is reawaken the athlete within. You know, you are a world-class soccer player. And the more you specialized in in cricket, the more injuries you had. So we've got to reawaken the athlete within and 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 bring out that that joy, that 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 special thing about training. It's not a chore, you know, and that. So yeah, that's you know, and, and, and again, I mentioned, you know, this morning with Summer, I mean, she beat Kate Ledecky two weeks ago. I mean, doesn't get any better than that. She's 16 years old and she she could ride on her reputation and probably get a couple of medals, um, you know, in, in Paris, maybe three, maybe four. You know, she's two time world champion this year. But I think and I'm, I'm a part of a team. OK, don't it's not because of me. Don't want to say that. But but. We are really, and we had some conversation, the head coach and I had some conversations this morning, you know, about, but she holds us accountable. And, and, you know, and that's really cool. She, she reminded me of something. I hadn't seen her for three weeks because I was in Switzerland. She reminded me of something. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that partnership. And sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time, you know, and that, but yeah, I, and, and I've been fortunate to, to observe some of the greatest athletes, not necessarily work with them and see what it took. And it was just an incredible um, laser-like focus. Uh, you know, it, it's so, tr- sometimes it seems so trite to say these kind of words, but, but it's true because you don't get to be the best of the best without consistent, without consistency and without these qualities really being developed to the finest degree. You have people that are, I call them, um, shooting stars, you know, come up, they win one champion, teams, same thing. They win one championship and you say, and then 10 years from now, you go, whatever happened to, you never play that game, whatever happened to, I could name those names too. And and those are the frustrating ones. That's why the gray hair, you know, the ones that you, that, 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 that you thought could be the best and you just couldn't reach. Now, I think coaches, you mentioned about great, good coaches, great coaches. I think we have a Messiah complex. We have this feeling that, you know, we can save you, we can make you better. And uh, that's something that, you know, 54 years into this journey, I think the last 10 years, I've finally come to the realization that, Vern, you're not the savior, you know, you can show them the way and the path that you're not going to, you you know, and, and, uh, this was a, a metaphor that one of the coaches in Singapore said, you know, we w- today we're trying too hard to make the path smooth, straight, narrow, really, you know, just like no problems for the athlete. And what we've forgotten today, and this is what I think the motto in the back of my shirt, coaching the best to be better is, is we prepare the athlete for the path. There's going to be periods of construction. There's going to be dead ends. There's going to be detours. And so coaching the best to be better is preparing the athlete for the path and and having them understand the deep, deep investment in the process that's necessary. Ben, you describe yourself as a specialist at being a generalist. Yeah. And in your words, you say, and this is a quote, a synthesizer connecting the dots in seemingly disparate areas looking for similarities, differences, and patterns that may not be readily apparent. It's a really 
great description. And I, I wanted to ask you, could you tell us about a time that you connected these dots <laughs> and a team or an individual? Well, uh, there's a moment in time. There's a moment in time, and it was um, October uh, 1973, Stanford University, a movement analysis class. I've told this story a lot, but I'll tell it again. Um, we all had to do a presentation in our respective area in that time, and it would be if I had to do it today, would be in athletics. I picked the javelin, and I picked two throwers that are uh, Giannis Lucis and, and Klaus Wolferman. Giannis Lucis from the Soviet Union, Klaus Wolferman from West Germany then, and uh, the well, Wolferman won the gold medal by the smallest margin ever, like five centimeters, whatever, five centimeters, something like that. And so I, it was, everything was super eight film then. Okay. Or 16, but in my case, it was super eight. So I took and I, I, I had each thrower and I showed them frame by frame and I started at the foot and worked up the body, you know, joint by joint, broke it down to the most um, finite things you could think of when I think about it, like, how did you do that? Anyway, so compared them both and everybody, everybody, oh, that's really cool. Cause it's, it looked javelin's a cool looking event. I love coaching that event. And, uh, so we had, um, uh, Stanford used to have a big history in dance, modern dance, all, all different disciplines of dance. We had five dance master students in the class. And there was this one woman who was just, she was a pain in the butt. She'd always ask all these really pointed questions. And I realize now she wasn't a pain in the butt. I mean, actually, probably one of the reasons I've had any success at all was because she was a bit of a pain in the butt. And she says, she raises her hand and I thought, oh, no, she's going to ask me like what the rectus femoris did when it connected with this or something. And she goes, no, she says, play it again. So I start going click. Click, click. She says, no, play it again. And 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 uh, she starts clapping the rhythm. And the light goes on. The, fr- the light literally goes on. And I go, I get it now. It's not about the ankle and the muscles attaching to the ankle. It's about rhythm and tempo. I just said something like this yesterday on my morning walk. It's about rhythm and tempo. It's a big dance. I remember going down to that track that day and I was working with my high jumper. I said, guys, I want you to forget everything I've taught you. We're just good. It's a big dance. And, and I, and I counted out the rhythm of the steps, you know, and that, and that's been the journey I've been on ever since. So you look at music, you look at dance, you look at the arts, you know, you, anything you can, you know, I spent last week in my colleague, Martin Bingeser in Zurich as a hammer coach. And that's the one event I've never coached, but I was, I was immersed in it for like five days. And I, I can just shut my eyes right now and, and, and hear the, the rhythm of a good throw. Okay. And you can see the library behind me. My reading is, is incredibly uh, diverse. Uh, I, I, I read a lot of, research in, in, you know, in the respective fields, but as far afield as you can go. And when you get out to the edges, that's where you really learn and getting around people that are of the same ilk that, that need leave no stone unturned, really want to keep learning. I've gotten to be really good friends with Dr. Mike Joyner at the Mayo Clinic, who's a world renowned exercise physiologist and his white coat is in, um, is in anesthesiology. He's amazing. He's a polymath. He's written books. He writes poems. Ron Adams that I mentioned earlier. We have this three-way 
uh, thread, hardly any of it's about sport. Did you read this article? Did you just read this book? What do you think? You know, and but that all makes you a better rounded person, which makes you a better coach, I think. And virtually every coach that I know that's been really, really good is has a, a wide range of interest. You know, they're very intense, you know, in their discipline. But that, and I, I don't know, I think some of it is I used to drive the nuns nuts because I couldn't sit still in elementary school. Maybe I'm, maybe today, if I were in school and I were nine years old, I'd probably be medicated and comatose because it was just hard for me to, to, um, to, you know, I'd see something and it would trigger something else and it would trigger something else, you know? So I, that's, that's the story. So there was that, it's, it's hard, you know, most of the time you don't, it's hard to point to one point in time, but I, I, I you know, and people that know me have heard the story a lot. So. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Back when you were coaching track and field at Berkeley, you put together a mental training handbook, which I believe was called Mind Plus Muscle Equals right. Winning. You're probably going to pull it out of that stack to the right there. but it's someplace over here, yeah. yeah. I wanted to yeah. ask you, Vern, if you had to rewrite that handbook today, what chapters would you add or take out? Probably wouldn't take out anything. I haven't looked at it in a while. I know you sent that, and I'm sorry. I meant to look at it before I went to Zurich. It's someplace over there on a bookshelf. I think mainly what I'd add would be more uh, work on, and, and not because this is the current thing, about self-care and taking care of themselves. We talked a lot about self-image and what self-image was and what it was to be a female athlete, you know, and that in a, in a, and at the time they were pioneers. It was a, it was a hostile environment in a lot of ways, but I think it would be more, uh, more work on self-care and focusing even farther outside um, there than equals winning. It might be mind plus muscle equals life. <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, something like that. But we were we were lucky. I mean, North Thornton was really instrumental. He was the men's swim coach. He had a mental training coach who'd be, talk about diverse, who'd been an opera professor at Florida State, had got a big inheritance, retired. And, you know, Berkeley's where everybody, all the hippies, everybody that was into alternative lifestyles and he came in and he was a mental training coach and he worked with us and I spent a lot of time talking to him and uh, he he brought in every two weeks 
He brought in world-renowned experts in in the whole area of mental training, psychology of sport. Um, who's the guy? Uh, Esselin um, wrote Golf in the Kingdom. Guys like that, you know, and any of the coaches that wanted to come. There was only about 10 of us that came, you know, that were into that. But, yeah, so I think broaden the view and make it mind plus muscle equals um, life, you know. And you worked with Monica Sellis after her horrific incident, you know, where she yeah. was where she was stabbed. I'm sure many of us have seen that horrible footage. But what did you learn watching Monica get back to the court? Yeah, and it was there was also the, the time that I worked with her was coincided. Uh, her her father had just died uh, in uh, May, I believe of the of so it would have been ninety seven. 97 or 98 it was somewhere I knew the world cup was 98 so I only worked with her for about three months but it was a it was a really neat three months a wonderful lady first of all just a wonderful lady really caring uh her and my daughter my daughter was 12 I guess at the time and uh she would come and do some of the running workouts and Monica wanted to learn to play. She said, I want to learn to play soccer like Kristen. My daughter was a good soccer, which was kind of funny. And, uh, but what I learned from her was, um, uh, you know, the, the deep, deep, deep connection between her and her dad and how important he had been in her career. I mean, it was all around. We would go over and work out at her house. She had a clay court a hard court. There was like a, a, a hill that her dad had built, a sand court. And people don't know this. Her dad was a um, triple jumper in the former Yugoslavia. And so she had, up until she was about 14, she had a very, very athletic background. And what I learned there was, and this is what I said too, I didn't call it that at the time, but Monica, we've got, to, I would say now to her, we've got to reawaken the athlete within. So we tried to do more athletic type of movements and somebody had taken her and said you know oh about her weight they made a big thing about her weight the girl was the woman was powerful and uh she's never was going to be felt and you weren't going to make her that way and so you work with you work within the parameters of what she what she brought to the table and so we tried to enhance that um you know in that so and again it was a short period of time but it was a you know when you work with an iconic athlete like that that was it was a really good experience and i saw it and i i felt comfortable enough to talk to her i said monica hitting for two hours every afternoon off the ball machine really isn't going to make you better and but she came back and she said well it helps me feel my you know okay i mean you respect you know but i said i have to offer my opinion you know and but again not being a tennis person um she had a reason for doing it you know so uh and 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 um Anything we would do that was competitive, look out, look out, just like summer now, you know. So if we were doing step ups against time or something like that, and she said the last one was 12 and she, what did I get, you know, and that. So, you know, get it's that. So that was, that was what a lot of what that experience was. Yeah. And, 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 and listen, that was a deep emotional trauma. Deep emotional trauma. I, I don't think people even come close to understanding. Then that coupled with her dad dying and how how close her dad and her were, um, you know, it's uh, it's amazing that she could come back and play really emotionally. So now, when you're asked about mental skills, how do you define mental strength? 
Well, yeah, and first of all, you you've obviously you've not done your homework. I, I hate mental toughness. Uh, I think it's I think it's a it's the worst thing you could ever think about. You know, everybody uses Navy SEALs and that kind of stuff, and it's they're not mentally tough. They're mentally strong. And great athletes are mentally strong. They can handle adversity. They know how to handle success. They, they, um, the lows aren't very low and the highs aren't very high. Um, you know, that they, they, it's trite to say, but they, in each in their own way, are very goal oriented, you know, and that, that's a mental skill is to be focusing on goal achievement rather than anybody can set goals goal achievement you know and 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 mental practice is part of your part of your daily work you know so i always say we had a, a girl um woman um uh emma wyatt got the silver medal in uh, tokyo in the 400 im arguably the toughest swimming event and um the whole thing the whole theme you know and again she was an it was an example of um COVID actually helped her. She, she got a, a other year of maturity. She really figured out on, that dry land was going to be important to her before she kind of just, she kind of just did it. And now it became really important to her. And our theme was own the finish. So everything we did every day, every exercise, every was about never losing sight of the fact that we have to own the finish. And she came up a couple of hundreds short, I think. Uh, you know, but but she came on in the last 50 meters like gangbusters, you know. So mental mental training. And, and look, I got to work with Bob Nidefer, Dr. Bob Nidefer, who was one of the pioneering sports psychologists in the world, wrote a terrific book called The Inner Athlete, which if the listeners can get, might be out of print. He pioneered a test called a taste test, test of attentional and interpersonal style. Uh, we got really into that at Cal. We did a lot of that with the White Sox. And, but I think too much of it was sit down and talk about it in classroom settings and that and not enough, uh, on the field and picking out opportunities to point out things that they were doing really well and things that you could work on. Debriefing part of, part of good mental training is, is a good debrief after practice and after competition where you're, you're really, really objective about what you've done, what you haven't done, what you need to do. So, and, and certainly the discipline. Look, when I started coaching the, 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 the our textbook at University of California, Santa Barbara and my California, you go for a fifth year to get your teaching credential was problem athletes and how to handle them. That's what psychology, you know, it was like you go to a shrink, okay? And there was only two books on sports psychology. Uh, Bob Nidefer's was the third book published in the mid-70s. Now everybody has a mental coach, you know. Um, sometimes I question the effectiveness, you know, but um, because what I want to do as a coach, I'm a, I, my, my job now is physical preparation. I'm not coaching uh, technique and that, but I, all of us are mental coaches. We, 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 you know, if there's negative self-talk, we point, well, we point it out, you know, and say, what do we have to do to turn that around? And, 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 you know, I, my favorite book that I assign to athletes is something my mother gave to me when I was, I, it's called, I think I can, the little engine that could, you know, I think I can, I think I can. Now, it sounds trite, but 
that gives us a frame of reference to go back to when the negative self-talk starts. You know, or they're saying, oh, we're going to go this meet this next week. Look at the times of those. Yeah, you're going to be you're going to be right with them and you're going to beat them because we own the finish because of what we do. Physical preparation yields mental strength, by the way. And what about if we flip that coin around, Vern? What have you learned about the measure of a coach? You know, um, he won five national championships. Uh, his winning percentage is 875. Yeah, probably means that he had really good people and he didn't screw up, you know, in a lot of ways. I think the measure of a coach is what you do with what you have. I, I'm convinced that there are co- – I know I know coaches that you've never heard of that are infinitely better coaches than some of the names you've mentioned uh, because they didn't coach Olympic teams. They coached in a, in a small high school someplace, and every year those kids were just they, – they performed up to their level of ability. Okay. And that's all you can ask as a coach. Now, sometimes great coaches, you know, based on environment, uh, a lot of different things can get people to, to rise above the level of their ability, you know, and, 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 and more power to them, you know, but, um, a, a lot of people that we look at as great coaches achieve that success through manipulation, domination and control. I'm not into that. I'm not into that. You know, I, I look at uh, North Thornton passed away two years ago, and I, I look at the tributes to him from his former swimmer still today on, you know, on that. And, uh, you know, he, he made their life better. That's all you can ask. You know, did did, did they make the li- their lives, uh, the lives of their athletes better, you know, in all ways, shape? And I know that sounds hokey to a certain extent, but, um, you know, again and you know and the hardest thing is i will say is to have a team or a squad with incredible ability you talk about pressure that's pressure you know because now you got them you got to get them aligned and to reach their ability whether it's a team or something like that so Vern, these days you run the very successful game network and yep. helps people with their professional development. And you've had some great coaches attend. I know Eddie Jones, uh, Eddie Jones yeah. came over there and, and talked about it as well. I've heard him mention it. But what does GAIN actually focus on to help people develop? That's a, that's a great question. And it was back going back almost, not grad school, but just after when I got out of grad school and went on, went back and was coaching now at Santa Barbara High, the school where – Lacumbra Junior students fed into middle school and then high school. Um, I was exposed to some in 1972 to um, the AAU then was the governing body of sport. And they had a learn by doing clinic in, uh, in Sacramento, hotter than Hades. And a guy named Fred Wilt, who I is an iconic figure in, in track and field uh, really did a tremendous amount for coaching in the U S and we went from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon and then from seven to nine at night, every night for five nights. And it, 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 it was a, and, and you name it, anybody who was anybody at the high school, junior college or college level in athletics coaching in the United States in the next 40 or 50 years, 50 years, 50 plus years was at that clinic and went through everything. You did the events and he had great teachers. And I thought, you know, this is a model. This is a model. If I ever get the opportunity, 
I want to do something like this because it made the difference for me. So fast forward to 19, late 1980s, and I started to do some more teaching, doing some workshops for uh, conditioning coaches and speaking more nationally and internationally. And I started a workshop called Building and Rebuilding the Complete Athlete, not strength training, not speed, not, and it was, it was for coaches, physios, doctors, chiropractors, parents, athletes, anybody. And it was very successful. But we did it Friday night, Saturday, and Sunday. I taught it by myself. After this last weekend where I talked for six hours, I don't know how I did it. It was like 16 hours nonstop. And as I, as we got more and more into it, and I used to say you can't learn to dance sitting on your pants. You'd sit on your butt, you know, for eight hours a day and take notes and discuss things. I said, wouldn't it be really cool if we could have a residential thing like this. So in 2007, we started with 13 Brave Souls in a hotel uh, across Florida that had a soccer pitch outside. And and uh, we've had it, well, we had one year with the pandemic, we have to do it online. But in the last nine years, we've done it at Rice University. It's total immersion. You get up at, at uh, we start at 6.30 in the morning, and you have Movement Madness. You have three teaching stations where you you interact with Jimmy Radcliffe, who's one of the greatest coaches I know, or Bill Knowles, one of the best rehab people. And you learn active learning. And you have breakfast. And then you have two lectures, lunch. You have workshops. Then you have two lectures, uh, more workshops. You have dinner. And then you get together for an hour or so and discuss. And then there's a pub on campus where beers are really cheap and where you can just sit there. And and so the, the, the whole thing what is, again, specialized in being a generalist. Everybody, so you're a physio now. Now you're interacting with Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones over at the pub was amazing with the young coaches. Like, why, why, do, you, why do you want to coach that? Why? Why, why are you, you know, why aren't you doing, you know, and and, uh, and that's the way it is. So you have these, all these experienced people mixing with, with new people and men and women. And it's all about professional development, real professional development, you know, not just um, learning, exchanging ideas. And so the network and um, uh, it's, it's very viable during the year. We do like this week, there'll be a coffee talk. In fact, if you're interested in joining, you can join in. Uh, email me, and I'll I'll uh, send you the link. If you don't have to be in the network to join in the coffee talks. In fact, we want other people that will say, like, "What are you guys talking about?" You know, we're not trying. It's not trying to be a cult or exclusive or anything like that. We we do have some different viewpoints. Um, you know, we're not we're not over the moon about some of the stuff that people are talking about today, analytics and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're going to look at analytics, but we're going to try to put everything in a, in a context. Okay. And then, um, and, and we're very active in keeping in touch with each other. Uh, I mean, just in Switzerland, Martin is set Martin and my wife are second in command with the game network. Um, we had uh, one of our, um, one of the Swiss coaches had been to gain. He came again Saturday. He was able to reinforce to the other people some of the stuff that we were talking about because we're the the uh, the theme like for last year was um, coloring outside the lines, and uh, and Nico, this coach said 
his question was the first night, he says, why do we even have lines? Right on, brother. Why do we have lines? You know, next year, our uh, our theme is invest in the process. And that, that idea that I told you about the road, we're not going to prepare the road for you. We're going to prepare you for the road through deep investment in the process. Long-winded answer to say it's a really special group of people that, again, that because of various interactions with people throughout my career that I've been able to gather and um, and a lot of and, and what I love about them is I'm not held up like, oh, this guy's a guru. They have no problem saying, Vern, you're full of crap, you know, and it's wonderful. You know, uh, that's 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 about learning, you know, in a, so, yeah. Vern, you've been so generous with your time tonight. Maybe just one final question, if I if I could. And I'd like to just give, read a quick quote of yours before I frame the question. And you say, as you've said in this interview, you say you coach the person. And so being a coach and being a teacher and being a person of influence is a real special thing. And so I just wanted to ask in closing, now that you, in your own words, also are getting to the twilight of your coaching, yeah, yeah. what's the legacy you hope you've left with the people that you've coached? Uh, I think I, I've thought about this a lot. I guess I, I've talked to other people. Uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Egger, who's an iconic coach, who had lunch a week ago, and he's, he's he said, "I'm retired." He said, "You're not retired." He said, "I'm I'm not going to travel anymore." And but uh, and and when we when we left, Martin and I were talking a little bit, and then I had some quiet time, and I'm thinking, you know, I just hope they say whoever it is, coaches that I've interact with, he cares, he cared. He cared about me. Um, he went that extra mile. Uh, I don't want to, as you were just talking, I'll, I'll read you something. Uh, uh, I just saw something pop up from Summer's mother, you know, thanking me. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, she didn't have to thank me. Her daughter's one of the best in the world, you know, but they know I care, you know, and, and that's that's the most important thing. Yeah. Same thing with my children, you know, that that they know that dad really cares about them. And I guess with your children and with those athletes, you've helped prepare them for the path ahead. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. You know, I had the pleasure of coaching my own daughter in track in high school. My son was not into sports, which is fine. He was into theater arts and uh, love. I mean, he's really part, helped me with uh, he's in. He's uh, getting his PhD in architecture and we have some of the greatest discussions and he's always interested, you know, in what I'm doing. And he gives me a different perspective, you know, which is really cool. You know, a little bit more of a art perspective. Yeah, which is neat. Yeah. Vern, it's been an absolute masterclass this evening. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. And I wish you all the best finishing that book that I know you were working on before I called and all the best with summer heading towards Paris. Very good. Well, thank you very much. The book is on its way. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited. And we mission was accomplished last week. Uh, we still got we, 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 we've got to own the finish now. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And those were very nice, incisive questions that are fun to talk about. Thanks, Vern. Hi, everyone. You have been listening to the great coach Vern Gambetta. Vern was a great guest, and I hope you found a couple of ideas to share with your own family, friends and colleagues. Some of the other key highlights for me were 
the way he describes the work he does with some of the world's top athletes as trying to reawaken the athlete within. How the great coaches are able to connect with people and are strong in their foundational beliefs. How part of good mental training is a good debrief after practice and after competition where you're objective about what you've done, what you haven't done and what you need to do. And wanting to leave a legacy where people knew he cared about them. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know, just like Peter P, who said, great storytelling and insights. Highly recommend. Thanks, Peter. The interaction with the people around the world who listen gives us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, please let us know. All the details on how to connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.